just moments before it happened, I'd cooked up a mess of chicken fried rice and scooped it out, hot and steaming from the wok, onto my favorite plate. In a hurry, as I headed out of the kitchen, I set the plate down on a tray to grab a fork and a napkin. That's when it happened. The surface on which the tray sat tilted unevenly. It angled the tray slightly, just enough to induce a slide. As the plate slid toward the edge, I grabbed for it. Not quick enough. Down went the plate, fried rice and all. After the crack and clatter, the steaming mess sat on the floor. Neatly on either side of the mess lay the two halves of the plate. The plate was one I had made myself. It was the best of many attempts to fashion clay into the form of a plate. Not arty, but respectable. As a product of my hands, this plate had served up more than just food. It provided a token from a span of my life. Its solidity provided more than a photo could. It kept alive the days of its making. The mess on the floor sent memory back in time to how it all began. Years earlier, I had walked past Lill Street Studio. Though it has since moved, it was then still located on Lill Street, the street that gave it its name, an east-west street a couple of blocks north of Fullerton. As I passed by, I was intrigued by this three-story old barn of a building with a blue door. The studio offered classes for children and adults and housed artisans of many kinds, serious professional potters, sculptors, students and jewelry makers. It buzzed with creativity. Sometime before this, Julie, my creative cousin, who was always painting or writing something, had presented me with a solid little ceramic bowl that she had made and decorated. That little bowl and her enthusiasm for Mar and her enthusiasm for her classwork in ceramics probably cemented an idea in my brain. So each time I passed by Lil Street, I looked at the building and thought, "Isn't that interesting? I'd like to try that. Someday, I have to look into taking a class there." We must have a mental area to store urges and impulses, a part of the mind to contain desires that we don't act upon. Call it the someday zone or the bucket list part of the mind, or perhaps it's the burial ground for impulses. When does someday arrive? This most nebulous of days can't be found on any calendar. It exists in Neverland. 
the instrument that dislodged this particular impulse from Neverland arrived with the mail. A letter informed me that my mother had pneumonia. That news was a blinking neon sign flashing red, which spelled out the message, your parents aren't going to live forever. It's later than you think. That time, my mother recovered from her bout with illness, but shortly afterwards, I signed up for a class in pottery making at Lil Street Studio. It lit an interest that absorbed me for quite some time. A comforting little fiction dances about in my thinking. It tells me not to fret over something broken, that I could fix it or acquire a replacement. It tells me that I can always do again what I have done before, but my aging body tells me that it is not so. Over and over again, I have to be convinced that we have only so much time here. When that plate broke, so did my little fiction. When that plate broke, it told me clearly that part of my life was over and could never be recovered. The plate, made of porcelain and glazed white, still has a kind of existence as do the days of its making. They exist in the way that the deceased are said to live on, in memory and in words on a page. Is it enough? It will have to do.